Oh yeah, welcome to Dope Nostalgia. I'm your host, Naomi. Now, on our last episode, my guest Ruben Anderson and I had a great chat about the band Odds, among other things. We covered all kinds of different topics and musicians. It was a good chat. But Ruben and I had also said, wouldn't that be cool if we could get a member of Odds on the show? I reached out to them, and Craig Northey, he got back to me, and we had a chat, and it was awesome. So that's this episode, part two of Odds. Here's a little information on them. Wikipedia moment. was formed in 1987 in Vancouver, British Columbia, consisting of vocalist guitarist Craig Northey and Stephen Drake, bassist Doug Elliott and drummer Paul Brennan. The band members claim the band name came when Brennan asked Drake in a town somewhere in BC, what are the odds of us ever escaping bullshit gigs like this? In the late 1980s, the band played up to four nights a week as a 1960s and 70s cover band called Dawn Patrol at the Roxy Nightclub in Vancouver while playing as odds on weekends and funding their own demo recordings at Crosstown Studios in North Vancouver, hoping for a break. They traveled to Los Angeles doing showcases and eventually signed to Zoo Entertainment. In 1991, they released their debut self-produced album, Neapolitan, which spawned the radio hits Love is a Subject and King of the Heat. The third single, the sexually explicit Wendy Under the Stars, failed to chart, but attracted the attention of music critic Real Marcus in his book Dead Elvis. After the release of Neapolitan, the band were picked up by Warren Zevon, becoming his touring band for his album Mr. Bad Example. In 1993, Zevon returned the favor by guesting on the band's Bedbugs album. Its lead single was Heterosexual Man, this song right here. So the video for Heterosexual Man featured the band members performing in drag with Dave Foley, Kevin McDonald, and Mark McKinney from The Kids in the Hall, who themselves are often noted for drag performances, as stereotypically macho jocks in the audience until Foley inexplicably turns into a woman. Three more singles were released from the album It Falls Apart, Jackhammer, and the Europe-only Yes Means It's Hard to Say No. Jackhammer features a guitar battle between Robert Quinn and Zevon. In 1995, Brennan left the band, moving to Toronto during the recording of their third album and subsequently joined Big Sugar. He was replaced by Pat Stewart, a friend of Doug's and a former drummer for Brian Adams. Good Weird Feeling, their most commercially successful album, included drum tracks from both Brennan and Stewart. The album featured the top 10 singles Truth Untold and Eat My Brain. Satisfied hit the top 20. Mercy to Go and Smokescreen also charted. Eat My Brain later found a place on the Craig Northey produced soundtrack to the Kids in the Hall movie Brain Candy. Northey composed the score for the movie along with Stewart and Elliot. Odds toured extensively during the 90s, including as an opening act for the Tragically Hip and Bare Naked Ladies. The band performed until 1999, headlining that year's Arts Country Fair year-end concert at the University of British Columbia, but released no further new studio albums at that point. 
hiatus happened in 1999 where Murphy announced that he was leaving the band, although he continued to work with Elliott and Stewart frequently in subsequent years. So to make long story short, they did take a break. Northy worked on some solo material as well as some movie soundtracks and all kinds of other stuff and lots of production. Drake followed up his previous work mixing Tragically Hip's 1996 album Trouble at the Hen House, furthering his career as a recording engineer and producer based in Vancouver. Ooh, I ran out of tunes. I just gotta keep talking. Well, let me tell you, in 2007, Craig Northey, Doug Elliott, Pat Stewart, and new guitarist Murray Atkinson performed old and new songs on the Bare Naked Ladies Ships and Dip event aboard a cruise ship in the Caribbean Sea. They released a new album, Cheerleader, on May 20th, 2008, with Northey now performing all lead vocals. During the hiatus, the band's rights to their name had lapsed. That means they had to get their name back. So for one album, they were called The New Odds. Then they re-secured the rights to the original name. The band obtained U.S. distribution through independent record label Second Motion Records. A new EP, Noise Trade, comprising several songs from Cheerleader and covers of tunes from Pointed Sticks and Art Bergman, was prepared for early 2009 release. Early in the year, the band also appeared as themselves in retro 50s garb during a dream sequence in the final season of the Corner Gas television series. The band continues to perform regularly, mostly at festivals and events across Canada, including such performances as the 2009 and 2010 Canadian Pacific Holiday Train. During the 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver, odds were the house band at Canada Hockey House. The band is named the Vancouver Canucks House Band of the 2010 and 2011 NHL playoffs. The Odds performed the theme music to the CBC television series, The Kids in the Hall, Death Comes to Town. And we've got Craig Northey here to tell us all about what's going on with Odds. Check it out. Looks like you got like a home studio set up right now. I do, yeah. This is sort of the command post. I sit out here a lot. Mm-hmm. How are you doing in the quarantine? How are things getting uh, lifted over where you are? Uh, BC has done really well, but um, yeah, I've just been getting, I do a lot of television stuff in, in this room when I'm not on the road. So it's been the longest I've ever been home, but yeah. uh, I've got stuff to do and everybody is pretty well. That's good. And it's a good time to be creative. Very good time to be creative. Yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure on people to be creative, <laughs> but uh, unwarranted pressure because some people just are collapsing under the weight of the whole thing. Yeah, it's true. It's uh, it's different. People handle it differently. That's for sure. I'm in Alberta. I'm in Edmonton. And uh, starting on Friday, they're going into stage two of lifting everything they just announced today. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think Alberta's done well and, and they were well prepared beforehand. So that's great. But um, yeah, it's it's in the it's stages of uh, um, lifting up here. But each family's different. Each people decide to stay the course longer. It depends on what you do, I guess. Teach their own. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so thanks for spending the time with me today. We are already putting together an episode about odds, which oh, also good. I think it's really cool just to that you don't have the word the in the name. I think some people don't realize that, right? It's, yeah. it's odds, right? Not the odds. It's odds. It was just a, a scenario where at the beginning, I think there wasn't the for a short period of time, but every time they wrote something on a marquee and put the two words too close together, we looked like fiads. 
So we uh, <laughs> decided to eliminate it. Mm. I saw you guys play last summer at the Rockfest here in Edmonton, and I was so happy to finally see you after all these years for the first time. So oh, great. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. yeah it was fun. To, uh, we had pals in town from different bands and, and it, you know, having fun together. Yeah. Um, so what was your relationship with Kids in the Hall? Because over the years, there's been quite a few projects you've worked on together with them, correct? How did that start up? I started out meeting them in 1991 when our first album, Neapolitan, was out. And we were fans of theirs. We love, we're comedy geeks. And uh, they were in town on their first tour that they did, <clears throat> where they were touring their material and playing live. They, they were in Vancouver and we couldn't get in. And the, they, they were two nights at the Vogue and... The first night we just heard from someone that they were playing our album in its entirety as the walk-in music. Mm. So our tour manager was at that show and asked their tour manager, who decides what music they play? And he said, all oh, the kids do, they love that record. So we, a, a meeting was in, enacted and we became friends for the last, what, a, 60 years or however long it's been. <laughs> oh, that's great. What's the last thing you guys worked on together? Because I think, aren't they working on something right now? They are, yeah. yeah. They've been writing and preparing to shoot, but COVID came, uh, uh, Kids in the Hall series. Mm. But I I work worked with, with Bruce a lot, Bruce McCullough, on his various projects and... Uh, the last, what I'm doing right now with Bruce uh, is Tall Boys on CBC. So I do the music with my friend Chin and Jetty, who was in a band as, since you're into the 90s called Bass is Bass. Yes. And, uh, Chin and I have been friends forever, and it's a chance for us to collaborate. And Tall Boys is really funny if you, if you watch it. I think everybody should watch it. So we're, we're getting ready for season two. That's and Bruce is kind of the showrunner um, of the sh the show, but the boys are really in charge. Bruce is just helping. And uh, I did Young Drunk Punk with Bruce, which was shot in Alberta with my friend Jim McGraw, and I composed that uh, series. That was a few years back. And the last Kids in the Hall official Kids in the Hall thing I did was the series Death Comes to Town with. Mm. Uh, Jim McGraw as well as my composing partner. What are your favorite things about being Canadian? What, what makes it special to you? That's a big question right now, because it's a loaded question. I feel yeah. like, I feel that there's this illusion that all Canadians were perhaps taught as a kid that we were the kinder, gentler, more diplomatic, uh, justice-based, <clears throat> egalitarian country. And we're finding out, especially someone my age, we're finding out as the onion is peeled back, how little of that is actually true. So I think that, I think right now, it's been an education every day, and it has been for years now, that the good thing about it is that illusion was created. So now we have to live up to it. So the best thing about being Canadian is the possibility that it could be that because a lot of people don't see their country that way. And I think a lot of Canadians are proud of it 
and see their country as being that way. So let's actually do it. <laughs> let's actually be that. And I think, um, you know, if we keep that in our hearts, then we can try to be what we say we are. Very well said. I mean, I think that we have a huge amount of pride in being Canadian, but at the same time, I think we've pulled the covers over a lot of the injustices that have happened here, especially yeah. with the Indigenous communities. And that was something that I think a lot of, uh, well, people like Gord Downey really tried to bring that to the forefront before he passed, right? So I'm glad you said that. Yeah, he, he did. But the, the, the thing is, yeah, especially the Indigenous community, especially, and that, that, that's all about listening, I think, for all of us to actually sit back and listen and take direction, which is hard for people. You have to take that direction and change yourself. Yeah. It's going to be uncomfortable and it's not going to, f and you're not going to feel good. You probably actually, after some self-examination, it really helped me to sit and listen to people with all the protests and everything. So yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my, that would be my answer to what's great about it is I think mm -hmm. that we, we have a chance to live up to it. Thanks. Um, where would you tell someone to visit who has a, a tourist in your hometown? Oh my gosh, there's so many. And it's a frequent question because there's people come here, as you know, you're from Alberta and mm -hmm. people come to the ocean. So I'd say that's why you came, you know, you came, especially someone who's from inland. So I think I always take people and circumnavigate the, the uh, English Bay and the inlets and, and around just sort of sticking to the coastline and everybody like rivers in your town in Edmonton, you know, it's a beautiful place where people gather and it's the same with the ocean. So restaurants and people and stuff are all in those places. So you can mm -hmm. just do that, drive up the Sea to Sky Highway. It's pretty majestic. And the rest of the thing is what any city has to offer is the people and the culture. So just go to the middle. <laughs> yeah. just go, to the, go to the steps of the art gallery and smoke a joint with somebody. You'll find out what's going on in town. Good suggestion. Uh, I, it's probably pretty basic to say, but I always like going to Granville Island. I love to go to the market. So yeah, No, it's a good place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's some of your favorite gear to play with? in studio on tour well people who know me know i'm a guitar nerd so i love i sit on at night and look at pictures of guitars and i i love any electric guitars specifically and old ones so i'm i'm kind of playing the guitar it's a transcendent experience it doesn't really matter what you know what they are i know i don't need more than two or three but i have more <laughs> And throughout the years in the business, who have you met that's taught you the most or you were very excited to meet, like a big influence? Ah, that was a big question too. It's been a long time. I think that I've learned the most from my bandmates. I learned, I don't think I learned more about guitar from anybody except Stephen Drake, who was the original other guitar player in the band and about music from Doug Elliott, you know, and Pat, you know, I, I think the people who I've played with the longest, I've always looked up to. I always feel like I'm the weak link. So <laughs> I'm there to learn. And uh, so I've learned the most from them. And I would say the most obvious, exciting, the first super exciting 
moment was when Warren Zevon decided through some fluke of history to take an interest in us and take us out on the road. And uh, I was so, I was such a big fan. Mm. And at the same time, I, I spent those few months and the years afterwards picking his brain, you know, just prod, prodding him uh, into the, a state of being grumpy with me to, to teach me stuff. So I did learn a ton from Warren. It's a big legend. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we were pretty lucky and uh, especially cause we were young and um, impressionable. And I think he liked that, you know, When I first got an Odds album, I think it was 90, I want to say 93, 94, but it was Bedbugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So around that time, shortly after, that's when email addresses started popping up and the, the concept of the internet was starting to take off to the mainstream public. How much of the internet back in the early part of your career were you able to utilize? Um, in that phase of our career, like you, you pointed out when that was, so a lot of the early phase of our career, there was no internet. So uh, it was a really grassroots way of advertising yourself or a grassroots way of finding people who liked you. So we, we, our manager, when we started the band and, and uh, well, this was a few years into starting the band where we finally had a manager. He was this guy, Chris Blake in Los Angeles who managed ourselves and towed the wet sprocket and, old 97s and a number of people um he he was a real big believer in the mailing list so we had this thing called the mailing list now people call it snail mail where we collected uh names at all our even even just local shows where we were playing on a wednesday night um we would always collect people's uh addresses and those became email addresses later as we were out on the road in the, in the mid nineties. So I think that's a, a system that we embraced that we applied to the internet. And um, after taking a hiatus during the big internet years um, and the explosion of it, when we came back, we'd kind of, all those were sort of dead ends. And I think we've been trying our best to be part of social media, but dragged kicking and screaming into that. <laughs> uh, are you pretty active at all on like Twitter or any of those things now or still kind of like, eh? I think if you compare it to um, anybody else, we're not as active, but I find it monopolizes a lot of time. But yeah, we, we, have, we have all those accounts and we try to keep people up to date on what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we philosophize too much but we do try to keep people up to date on what's happening and put up interesting pictures and stuff like that Uh, keeping them informed is all you really need 
it's good. Well, that's, that's what uh, I find. That's the limits of it. (laughs) Are there any new tech things that you refuse to use that you're like, no, thanks. I can do without that. Um, Facebook, if that's new tech, I I find it find it quite destructive but then I, I have to get in the back end of it and put up something to say the band is playing somewhere mm-hmm. but uh, as far as technology no I would never say no to trying new stuff that's the fun part yeah, yeah. so I mean we, when we started there weren't computers making mu- music with you or you weren't recording to them you were recording to tape mm-hmm. and you know I'm I, I go way back before all this technology but each each phase of it you kind of resist a little bit but you realize hey that that's really cool what i could do i can collaborate with myself with this thing oh yeah and so there's so much to you can't ever close your mind how do your children feel about your musical careers hmm. i think they like them i collaborate with them now so nice. i uh, i've been working with my kids for years now, it seems. My daughter's an actress, actor, and writer, and my son's a film director. So we did a show together, actually, the three of us called This Blows that, well, there you go, that was Bruce McCullough too. And so that was, that was maybe the most recent before Tall Boys on CBC. So you can go to, I'll plug it right now. Good. CBC Jim, if you've got that app, because that's how you can stream anything from CBC and watch the whole series called This Blows. And my, uh, my daughter, Alita, is the lead, and my son is the director. And wow. I did the music with my friend Jim McGraw again, who's my collaborator, who said, who worked on Young Drunk Punk with me and Death Comes to Town. And, and I said, hey, man, the kids, are, they got a show with Bruce. He said, well, are you going to ask me or not? Like, are we going to do this together? Because <laughs> he didn't want to miss out on the fun. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I'm glad to hear that. And I want to check the show out. So thanks for plugging it. Um, yeah. What's the most fulfilling thing to you about making music and this career path you're on? Wow. Jeez, these are big ones. I, I was uh, hoping that they sent you the questions ahead of time because I didn't want to make you go, oh. <laughs> Oh, he, oh, Paul did. Yeah. So let's oh, okay. for Paul Quigley, always doing his job. He did, but it gives me on top uh, of it. I quickly did scan them, but I, I don't want, <laughs> I want to be fair to you. So I got to have a good reaction. <laughs> I would say that, that I, since I was born into a musical family, my mother's a violinist and, and she was a professional and that my daycare was going to symphony rehearsals, et cetera, because we didn't have daycare. And uh, so I was kind of born into it. <clears throat> my dad was a singer when he met my mom. And, and uh, my sister plays cello. She's still a cellist in Calgary. And my brother played piano. He was brilliant at it, but sort of gave it up. So it was always around me. So I never, I think the fulfilling part of it is that feeling that you're making a connection. And you make it to your family, you make it to the other people you're collaborating with. So every time you do something new, it's something that didn't exist before. And it represents that connection that you made when you made it. And then when you're out there singing it to the world, 
you're making that connection to a whole bunch of people you didn't even know before. I didn't know you. I, I get to meet you today. That's pretty right. cool. Exactly. So that's, the most, that's the most fulfilling part of it. Uh, are there any food items, clothing items, or toys that make you nostalgic for the 90s? No. I'm generally, <laughs> I'm generally not a nostalgic person. I guess I'm a sentimental person. Mm. I think I get misty about certain things I remember, but I'm not nostalgic in that I, I wouldn't ever want to go back there. I, yeah. I enjoyed all the time that, that I had up until now as a person, but I don't think there was anything magical about it. So there's no item uh, that, that makes me that way. Let me think. I suppose a photograph of something. Mm -hmm. And then for a minute you think about that, that time, but to me, it just sort of represents a time in the past, like it does for anyone else. And leading from photographs into videos and such too, I'm sure like um, memories from the much music days. Do you have any cool stories to share from back in the much world? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I have one that I'll try to, I'll try to make smaller. But basically, it was sort of the peak of the much music. They did so much for so many bands. I mean, it was a great period of time where uh, a new way of looking at music or hearing music was out there. So um, a lot of bands got exposure and if you had a sense of humor or you had uh if your if your imagination ran to the visual you could get involved in that and so i really did enjoy helping make videos or come up with ideas for them and i still do i collaborated since covid started i've done more than a dozen music videos with my son so they're with the trans canada highwaymen or with the odds or with uh stephen page or um Colin James with the odds so collaborations and all from distancing so that kind of comes out of that much music hive of energy you know where oh that's an interesting idea I think to put to music and um, we we were at the point where we had successful singles a few in a row and we come off a big tour and it was the much music video awards mm -hmm. And we were playing and we were closing the show. I think we played twice on the show maybe, but we were closing the show. Can't remember what song. Um, I believe I was singing it. And if so, I don't know which one. <laughs> sometimes it was Steve and sometimes it was me at that point. And uh, they used to have this open window that went out onto Queen Street. And it was Queen and John and you'd be playing live and i don't know if you remember from those days but you could go out this window and you'd be in the crowd the yeah. crowd outside on the street so the window was open and we were playing the song and the the credits start to roll and you're playing the song of course you don't see credits when you're playing <laughs> and i went i'm gonna go run out that window and dive on everybody so i went to run out the window and there was a little lip and a, a you know a metal frame of the window um and i was running towards the window and i guess the floor director might have said he's going out the window hit the lights so a big white light was turned on out on the street like one of those Klieg lights or um, spotlights oh. hitting me and i couldn't see anything 
and I ran straight into the edge, the top edge of the window, right on the bridge of my nose. Oh. And it was a sharp metal edge, and it split me open. And, uh, and I reached up, and I could feel the wetness, and I went, okay, I'm bleeding. So I, and I was a little bit stunned, and I turned around, and I had my hand up like this, and I could see all the people, because they're all around the band in the studio, the people watching other musicians. And I, you know who Terry David Mulligan is? Yes. Yes. I remember seeing Terry David Mulligan's face looking at me like this. Uh, this is, <laughs> oh, you're on video, it's like shock. So of course, everybody could see the blood gushing out of my face. And I was just determined to get through the rest of the song and have nobody know that I did something so stupid. So I just uh, kept my finger up there and I was make, putting my hand and I haven't seen, I think I saw the footage and I think I got away with it. And then um, there was a band called the Wild Strawberries yep. at the time, cool band. And uh, they were both had healthcare backgrounds and they took me downstairs. And I remember <laughs> the, the, the brass at Much Music at the time, I'm not going to name any names, were a little nervous about the, implications of me hurting myself on camera so they, they they're all very concerned but i think i got butterfly bandaged up and i got stitches later i was gonna and, say how many stitches did it take oh just a couple yeah yeah but i went out on the town that night and, and i took some uh medicine so i felt fine <laughs> it's a good story after these messages be right Analog Brewing, winner of three awards at the 2020 Alberta Beer Awards, is a proud sponsor of the Dope Nostalgia podcast. Analog Brewing is now offering delivery within the city of Edmonton with no delivery fee on orders over 40 bucks. Go to analogbrewing.ca slash shop. That's www.analogbrewing.ca forward slash shop and place your order today. When placing an order, you could also pay it forward and take part in their Nurse a Pint program and prepay for a pint for a nurse. Mention this podcast in the order comments so they know we sent you. Analog Brewing, taking beer to the next level. Orders are pouring in at the Kool-Aid Wacky Warehouse. It's wackier than ever. The wackiest. This year, we've got all kinds of wild new stuff, and you can taste our pre-hysterical Kool-Aid flavor. Purple Saurus Rex in the wackiest store in the world. Now, if you send in your Kool-Aid points and order any stuff from the Wacky Warehouse by May 1st, you get an awesome mystery gift and 10 bonus points free. Wow. Kool-Aid points are on all Kool-Aid soft drink packages, and order forms are here. Do you feel more at home on stage or in the studio? Uh, well, I'm, I am at my home in the studio. <laughs> so Literally. I feel, I feel pretty at home here. And uh, I, feel, I feel about the same about them, about being at home on them. I think the stage is always a little more nerve-wracking. You want to you do well. Mm -hmm. um, and you're performing in front of tons of people. And here I can make all the mistakes in the world and nobody's ever going to know I made them. Yeah, true. That's a good point. But there's still something about being live that you can't match anywhere else, hey? Like that feeling. I think like, okay, so for that 90 minutes, you're having those highs and lows the whole time and everything's amped up. And, uh, it doesn't matter where you are. It's pretty much the, the same, I think. Uh, huge crowds 
the the show's over so fast but uh you know when you're when you're performing you're enjoying it and, and everything's elevated but i think in the studio it's a lot of hard work and anguish sometimes but then there's this amazing moment when you realize you created something that you really liked Mm. Uh, there's also the crushing moments when you realize you created something you're underwhelmed with, <laughs> but the, the, that huge high. The, so there's, it's just a difference in the amount of spikes of joy. Yeah. I feel like I, I played in a hard rock band here in Edmonton for years. And one of the best feelings was once you came out of this or listening to a, a final mix in the studio when you, you finally hear what you've done and, and you feel that joy. That yeah, it's, it's finished. It's completed, and I'm so proud of it. Kind of thing. It's yeah, and and, and you'd agree, you'd agree that that spike is maybe even higher than a performance one. You know, that's I it think lasts, so. lasts for a long time, and then there's all that waiting until it comes out that has all the potential energy and excitement. And then <laughs> <laughs> I know you want to share it so badly, and, yeah. and you just can't wait to do so. It's a good feeling. What do you play? I'm a singer. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm a, a rock singer primarily, but yeah. I'll interview yeah. you if you'd like. I could ask you all these same questions. I'm down with that. <laughs> when did you? How long have you been doing that? Fifteen years, something yeah. like that. Like I started uh, doing some pop rock stuff here in Edmonton back when I was really young in high, in high school. I got yeah. on a compilation. Um, my song got. I got to work with on a CD with Chris Shepard and. Things were really exciting. So, yeah, I'm really passionate about podcasting for now. So, for now, yeah. For now. now. It will never Do leave some... you. Singing, singing will never leave you. Exactly. I'll get I'll get the the itch again where I'm going to want to have to be creative with music again. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, good. And yeah. was it so what was the transition to hard you said hard rock, was it? Yeah. What kind of hard rock? Oh, I don't know who I would compare it with the stuff we were writing. Cause some of it, some of it was a, a influenced by different uh, Southern sounds and such too. So um, I think it was a gradual process from being pop into rock because I just, I, my vocals are better with rock music. <laughs> right. So yeah. Sass Jordan was a huge influence of mine. I'll say oh, that. Wonderful gal. Yeah. yeah. We did yeah. lots of work with Sat. When, work with her pat does pat uh, stewart from odds plays with sass sometimes lately nice. like uh, just one-off kind of events i think at the what is it national music center in calgary he's worked with her a couple of times but we toured with sass uh some great fun tours back in the early 90s she seems like she'd be really fun to hang out with and and be creative with and absolutely yeah. Yeah, so she's she's up there on my influences list for sure. Oh, good, good job. <laughs> um, what album track do you wish had been a single? Oh my gosh, I think I'm always more fond of those. So that's a lot of tracks. I, I love uh, I love the deep cuts. There you go. <laughs> I think there's a lot on Cheerleader that I I wish had more exposure because but, but by the time cheerleader came out singles weren't really a thing you know it was a digital world mm -hmm. but i would say um feel like this all the time it's always the kind of softer more broody ones that they're like your third single in the old days 
you ah. know, for two rock songs and then a broody song and then a, yeah. so I'd say I feel like this all the time is one that I, I like the sentiment of and the melody and the, I'm just picking it. I'm picking one out of the air. I like that. Well, we'll, we'll play a clip of it on the show. We'll share okay. it with people. So cool. they get it, get to hear it. Yeah. I would say um, my, my favorite track of yours is it falls apart. Oh, nice. Yeah. I've always been a big fan I, that, of that, that song. That's one of those tracks that was, I think we were sort of classicists in the way we recorded. We didn't, we didn't listen to what was going on around us as far as the toys people were using and the drenched in reverb kind of sounds that were going on. And we, I think it, that's helped songs like that. Now, when you listen to it falls apart now, I think it feels current still sounds fresh. Very smart. Jim Rondinelli recorded that who was really great engineer. He, he, uh, he worked on Matthew Sweet's records and Wilco and Tragically Hip and Big Star and yeah, a bunch of people. But he uh, he was really good at that. He 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 made a great record. Um, what uh, artist, if you could choose a newer artist to cover one of your songs, which artist would you pick, and even what song? Wow. Well, I currently would say Yola. Do you know who Yola is? I don't. Okay, so everybody's got to look her up. Okay. She's British singer from Bristol. Uh, 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 I think Dan Auerbach produced her record, but it's. Uh, I think she would do high, maybe like a song like that. It's a little bit. The high was on the most beautiful place on earth record we did. Hmm. Uh, so I that my blood orange, he doing something cool of ours would be cool because he'd hmm. have an interesting way of presenting it. Um, maybe, maybe like Mercy to Go, something with a mid tempo kind of dark sentiment. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is almost all our catalog. Um, How about the Dirty Nil? I'll go with somebody I know. I'd love them to do anything that rocks by us, maybe write it in lightning or something like that. Do you know the Dirty Nil? No, I don't. Where are they from? Hamilton. Okay. Yeah. I've got a lot of homework. Check them out. The Dirty Nil are... one of the greatest rock bands ever out of this country in the last little while, I, I think. They're, they're amazing. Um, okay, I think I've exhausted my, my brain. For- oh, no, you've done very well. I, I've picked some strange questions on purpose because I, I figure, I I figure I like- that people probably get bored of being asked the same things all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. The same old things that they've said 50 times over. So I try, I to, like the- try to mix it up. <laughs> Um, what's a concert that changed your life? Something that set your path in music. Can I go off the board? Because you, your brain just sort of flashes on something. I'll go off the board and say it's a concert, but it was a concert movie. Okay. Uh, Monterey Pop, which was, I think it was 1967. But when I was a kid, it was playing in a drive-in theater on Vancouver Island. 
and I was in the campground beside the drive-in theater. And I tell this story a lot because it's one of those ones where you say, whenever anyone says something that changed your life or set you on a new course, that was when I, when I was a kid, I remember the, the moment we were all climbing up the slide, all the kids in the campground to look over the fence at the drive-in movie. Mm. And uh, we didn't know what movie it was, but all those, you know, those, uh, if you're old enough, drive-in movies had these metal boxes that you put on your window that had the speaker in them and they, they were all cranked and they're, yep. bla- they're blasting this concert movie. And in the movie was Jimi Hendrix, The Who, Otis Redding, uh, Janis Joplin, uh, can't remember who else was on Monterey Pop, but those ones specifically, those artists specifically that when we were, there were kids and you'd climb up the slide and you'd get like a few seconds where you're at the top of the slide to watch whatever was on the screen. And then everybody would be screaming at you, get down, slide, go, go, go. So they could get up and watch it because it was super exciting. And so I was up on the slide. I saw the Who destroy their equipment from the top of the slide. I saw Hendrix burn his guitar and do the, do the, put lighter fluid on it and burn it. I saw, um, and I saw Otis Redding, just can't turn you loose. I, I, it took me years to figure out which song I saw. I was obsessed with trying to figure out which one, but he was so magnetic and he, he, I remember as a kid, him whipping his head and the sweat flying off his face and just thinking how intense it was and how cool it was. So I think that you kind of leave those moments going, whatever that is, I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, I'm figuring out a way I'm going to do that. I'm going to burn shit, and smash it, and scream. That's the, that's the light bulb moment right there. It's like, this yeah. is what I want to do. Um, what is the band currently releasing right now? Uh, We're just, we're just mixing and we're on the, we got songs, a few already mixed and some, a whole whack of them uh, in the queue. Um, We're making a record. We don't know what it's called. And what we'll probably do is release a song at a time over, uh, over a little period of time coming up soon. And then, put the rest of it all out and you know, then it'll have a name and all that kind of stuff. But we've had this batch of songs sitting here for a while and now we've got a bit of a chance to, to clear the decks. I feel like nowadays it's easier to just say, Hey, I want to put out an EP or it's, let's just put out this song. And then you kind of have more control over that. Don't you? Than you used to back when it had to be like the record label wants this full album by this date, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. And I think the last batch of stuff that we released were three EPs that were actually a double album. You know, we thought, oh, we'll just make, let's just make a double album. And then our manager said, well, guys, people don't do that. So (laughs) why why don't you split it up? And so we kept them cohesively. They look the same kind of thing. The packaging was the same. And you could tell they were part of one work. So we put them out as three and this time we did it again. I think for sure this is maybe even more songs than a double album, which when you're as old as I am, that's how you think of it is how many 45 minutes make up an album, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
in the CD era, you of course had unlimited space and people made super long albums. But um, so now I think that we'll just pare it down to a dozen or so. Where can listeners hear more about what you have in store coming up with the with odds? Uh, we sort of have odds music on every platform. So oddsmusic.com, odds music on Facebook, odds music on Instagram. And as I said earlier, we do our best. We do our best. Well, hopefully uh, down the road here, we'll be able to see you live again, you know, just yeah. another time. It is just a matter of time. I know it's weird, isn't it? Um, lucky thing we got in some Edmonton in the last little while. I'm grateful. I'm really glad I got to see you. And uh, it was cool seeing you guys do a song or two there with Sloan as well. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Chris, Chris got up to ham it up. Yeah. They're good. Pa- they're good pals. We did a we we took to like like you were saying about the 90s and and the name of your podcast and everything. And it, I think that we were kind of dragged kicking and screaming into this idea of performing our whole old albums in their entirety, which was a concept that maybe Cheap Trick invented years ago. And mm. and uh, so we actually did it with Good Weird Feeling. We did it in Vancouver for two nights and we did it in Toronto. Oh. And in in Vancouver, we had we, we came up with this idea, since ours is a bit of a broken past and Steven's no longer in the band and Murray's been in the band for maybe longer than that, um, that we would get people who might have had that album when they were kids and liked it, that had told us that, you know, that we're younger musicians. So we had Josh um, from Mariana's Trench and Steve Bays from hot, hot heat bounties and, and, uh, Ryan Dahl from Limb Lifter mm. to come and play with us and fill in some roles and sing. And, oh, and Dustin Bentall. And that was super fun. So we thought, Oh, that's amazing to play your album for people like you're playing them the record and watch them listen to your record. Because when you play a show, you mix it all up and you go from one thing to the other. You pull out a new one, you pull out an old one. And you don't ever get to watch people listen to something that you created as one work of music. So we did it again in Toronto. And the reason I thought of it was because Jay and Chris from Sloan sang songs and Tom Wilson sang and Mo Berg from The Pursuit of Happiness and uh, Stephen Page, they all sang the the guest roles. It was super fun. So maybe we'll do something like that for bed with bed bugs for you sometime. Is uh is there any video out there that we can see some of that that show? For, well, you know, there's that thing. Bootleg. <laughs> there's some YouTube uh, videos that people took on their phones. Yeah. So of course the sound's not going to be very good. But. Yeah, that's a that's a bad trade off sometimes. But that just sounds like such an exciting show to see, and it must be really fun for you to have your friends jam along with you. You know, it was fun. Yeah, they you know we've known them since that time. All those people. So uh, it was it was super fun. I think the horseshoe show in um, Toronto may have been the hottest show. Like not the hottest in terms of hey, it's a hot ticket. Yeah. the hottest place to be physically 
in the world. I mean, I almost melted my whole body. So you can see that there's a lot of that Otis Redding moment that I always wanted to recreate with the sweat flying. I felt really guilty because I was drenching everybody in the front <laughs> row with this gross, like, not COVID friendly. <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of came full circle for you. Got to yeah. be that performer. There you go. We had to find a good way out, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And thank you. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I hope you had fun too. Thanks for being on the show with me today. Thanks, Naomi. Yeah. Have fun keeping podcasting. And then I want to hear you sing your entire podcast one time. Oh, yeah. That should be interesting. <laughs> Get sass on there. I... I am wanting to do that. I, I am waiting. I've been waiting for that one because I figured I better get some some courage to talk to her because she's just like an idol to me, you know? <laughs> really? Oh, she's very approachable. So okay. you're ready. You're ready. Okay. I appreciate that, Craig. Okay. Thank you. And okay. I, I, I wish you and your family the, the best of times right now. I hope you things are going to be good. Doing yours. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Craig Northey, for joining us on the show. You can check out all of the Odds catalog and what they've got coming out next very soon, a new release by Odds. As he mentioned, oddsmusic.com. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, all of that social media stuff. I will now bring to you a brand new show segment. And now, this is Fucking Stupid with Naomi, Kendra, Charity, Mike, and Colin. This is fucking stupid is fucking stupid. It's a stupid game we play where you have to guess the hot song of the 90s or a super obscure song of the 90s. Our friends have no idea what I'm going to throw at them. Why don't you come play along with us? Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to bring a new segment onto the show today. And <laughs> brought to you by Analog Brewery. I just got picked up some new beer. This beer is so new. It doesn't even have the, the official label on it yet. It's from Ooh. the beta batch called Fa Fire Flower Hot Pepper Half of Eisen. Ooh, that it's sounds be, interesting. It might be spicy. Is it? Is it easier to open than the night that I came over <laughs> and recorded for Mr. Bay? Get like a fucking knife and hammer and chisel and everything to get the bottle open. Honestly, that was like pretty much like the majority of our conversation was how are we gonna open this bottle of beer? <laughs> it was so much a part of the conversation that it's in the description of the podcast. Oh God. <laughs> we we were trying for like an hour and a half to get that damn thing open. I feel like it was actually probably easier than I made it. I feel like I must have made it really hard. I feel like alcohol was a part of the reason why we couldn't do it. <laughs> the, the we were already how many beers in. <laughs> and then that happens. 
when that happened. Now I'm going to test the audio. I'm going to play a little sound clip just to make sure you guys can hear it at, a, at the same level. And because you're my friends, I do trust that you will not Shazam any of these tunes. I will. No, no cheese. No. You have to sign <laughs> All the way over there. I threw my phone across the couch. Oh, I, just I don't. I, I honestly, I don't even have Shazam on my phone. I could show okay. you, but I, I have Soundhound. The I name don't have it on my phone either. So we are playing the '90s version of Name That Tune. Yeah. And I uh, invite our listeners to play along and send in their scores as well if they want. What we're going to do is I'm going to play a clip of a song from the 1990s. Any point in that decade. There's going to be some really hard ones and some easier ones. And you're going to score five points, uh, 10 points per song, five points for the artist, five points for the song title. If you can get one or the other, if you get both, you get 10 points. Sweet. So how do you, how would I make this fair? We don't have a buzzer to ring in, do we? Oh. I think you just got to jump on the answer. Shout it out. Whoever yeah. shouts it out. So if, if you jump on it and you're the first person to say both, then you get full points. If you jump on it and say the title, but you're thinking on the artist, the other person can steal the other five points. There you go. And then if nobody gets it, then we all suck. That. <laughs> Which so negative to yourself. Jeez. Well, well, really, I'm, I'm not overly confident considering the amount of blood loss I had today. <laughs> that's right. We got one contestant that's playing who lost half of her volume of blood in her body just earlier in the day. I was uh, at the hospital and we had some troubles with an IV. We'll just say that. So everybody uh, say hi. Our contestants today, Charity. Hello. Kendra. Hello. And Mike. How you doing? <laughs> you, you should have gone higher. Like Charity was like, hello. And I was like, hello. You should have been like, hello. hello. I can't go that high. I was expecting yeah, so you just Hola. Hola. Well, like Hola, I said, Charita. this ain't going to be easy, all right? This is your score sheet. Okay. One tick will equal five points. Sweet. Here we go. Artist and song title. Is it Corey Hart? No. I'll play up until like including the chorus before I stop it. Oh, I have it in my head and I can't think of what it is. Any, any guesses? Wash the pain for me? Is that what it's called? No. It's called <laughs> Wash the Pain. So you do not get that. Because oh, that is not the name. Wash the Pain for me is not the name. Ah, I'm so close though. I am a hard ass stickler. For Too many me. words. <laughs> the name I of the band. So I think that came out in, I'm going to guess, at 1993. And the name of the band was called World on Edge. Oh, never heard. Nope. They're a Canadian. It would have been group. something I heard on 90 or Power 92. <laughs> yes. And I think a lot of these songs you will have heard on Power 92. Okay. 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 
So moving on to the next one. We're off to a roaring start. Zero <laughs> points all around. I attempted. I was close. For we me. only have 6,000 songs to go. Here we go. <laughs> I always hear this at the Thunderdome, I tell you. Is it Lee Aaron? Yes, it's Lee Aaron! Five points, what's the song title? From the album called Some Girls Do. Love. Congratulations, all 10 points. Our contestants had fallen asleep, but they woke up again right in time for the end of the song. <laughs> I actually don't know that Learen song, but I know her voice. So I was like, that sounds like Learen. Well, here we go with song number three. I'm going to lose track of what number's what very soon. Here we go. I know this song. Is this garbage? No. know this song i just can't get the title of the artist it's crazy I, I don't want to lead you astray but i'm pretty sure this song would have been on a big shiny teeth album it's remote control yes who's the artist Radiohead. No. No. Oh, Try. it's Fuel. Is it Fuel? No. Never. Try. Who? Try. Try? Yeah. No. This was not one of the big shiny TVs. The artist? Yeah. You give up? Yeah. No, no. The Age of Electric. Oh, ah. I it was. It was on Big Shiny Tunes 2, I believe. Or 3. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I didn't know that. I, I'm like, there, as soon as you said remote control, I remember that I, I couldn't remember. It was on a big shiny CD. Yeah. yeah. It was. It was. It was on big, big shiny. Big shiny tunes too, I, I think. It was, I wasn't I it was, two. Was, was it two with blur and all that? Yeah, because I think it was towards the end of the CD. It's really sad that I remember that. <laughs> I, I vaguely remember it, but I was I was pretty young when I, when I listened to that. Well, if you would think that's everything. pretty young, you're fucked for the rest of this. No, just kidding. I, I mixed it. I am the youngest here, okay? Yes. I, I was just starting it. university when that one was on Big Shiny, so. If you're, between, if you're between 30 and 50, well, 30 and up, you should be able to have heard the majority of these songs. I, I, 
I've probably heard them. Whether or not I know the artist very well is questionable. But, but as long as you're having fun. This oh, reminds yeah. me of when I was like 12. I used to do this to my sister and my best friend. I made them. I forced, they hated it. I forced them in my room and to sit there and listen to songs I played and guess them. And they're like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm doing it to you. Uh, oh, okay. shit. <laughs> At least I know what to say now. It's a lot easier now. <laughs> Mikey's like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> I dare you to say it. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> Our listeners are saying this is fucking stupid. Okay. <laughs> you, you should call that. That should be the new name of the game. It's fucking there you stupid. go. <laughs> or, or, and then you can make a little segment and be like, yeah. um, the, like the name a of the like show tune song. <laughs> That's the name of the game now. It's called This Is Fucking Stupid. This is fucking stupid. This is fucking Kendra? She's gonna make your theme song. That you is that is the new name that, of the game. We're playing this is fucking clip. stupid. <laughs> use that clip. You can use that clip of me singing it. It'll be the intro music. There you go. Okay, guys. Okay. We're ready for the next song. Okay, okay. I wanted to say Memphis by Six String Loaded, but it's not that. I can see why you think that. Air band. Yes. love is on the way yes it is five points those can be easy points if you just listen to the chorus and that's yeah. the title. Yeah. but does anyone have a guess on the band oh it's a hair band and lead singer has blonde hair that is not the correct answer <laughs> <laughs> but i can see it am i right though the lead singer has i don't know blonde about hair. the blonde hair because i don't have a picture of them in front of me their album art is not of the band the album is called it, the lizard not- is it not? It's not slick toxic, is it? It is not. It is Saigon Kick. Yeah, I wouldn't oh, have got that. Jeez, I wouldn't have got that one either. <laughs> that was on. That was played on Power Nine too. So I'm not. Okay. These yeah, are the hard ones, bad. okay? No, actually, those were the easy ones. You guys are gonna really fuck this up. Oh. <laughs> oh. You're, you're, you're gonna love the rest of this game. I love how she thinks Bassies. Social media, yeah, we've got it. Send us an email. Dopenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. Twitter, Nostalgia Dope. Or on Insta, Dope underscore Nostalgia. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.